2: You know, i like to turn in your Bibles to um, Genesis chapter 22. Gonna be the, the portion here we're gonna zero in on. You uh, have a look here at this great passage, Genesis chapter 22. And uh, starting in verse 1, Genesis chapter 22, starting verse 1. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for your word. We are lost without your word, without your guidance. And so, Lord, we come to you now, each of us as children, and ask you, Lord, to teach us in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 22, verse one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am, or as it is in Hebrew, hineni, hineni. And said, and he said, "Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, or again, Hineni, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told them of and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I, or Hineni. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide, and as it is said today, In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So what we're doing now is we're continuing with our look at the Torah gospel according to Moses. And this is one of the finest moments in the the lives, really, of Abraham and Isaac, the two together, in this passage, as both of them did not see their shadow. Now, what am I talking about there? When a person, we said that last time, when a person sees his shadow, Then he's thinking about himself, and he's thinking about his successes, he's thinking about his failures, he's thinking about his problems, he's thinking about his worries, and the only way that a person can see his shadow is when his back is turned to the light. That's how a person sees his shadow, when his back is turned to the light and he's not facing the light, so he sees his shadow. Moses taught Aaron in the famous Aaronic prayer how to pray for every person in the children of Israel. Every Jewish person, he said, teach them. In essence, he was teaching them how not to see their shadow when he said to Aaron, pray these words for the people, which was in Numbers 625. Numbers 625 says you pray these words. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Now, what we've got here in verse one is where it says it came to pass after these things that that God did tempt Abraham. Right away, we have to say, that's not a good translation. It should be God did prove Abraham. Why? Because God does not tempt anyone. According to James 1.13, it says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. See, what's the difference between temptation and proving? Temptation tries to get a man to do what is wrong. Proving tries to get a man to do what is right. See, temptation says, do this and never mind about right and wrong. Whereas proving says, do this and never mind about the pain. So God was proving Abraham. And we see what God did when he proved Abraham and he called to him in verse 1 and God said unto him, Abraham. Now just hearing that word, Abraham, from God when he said that, that meant so much to Abraham because you got to remember that was not the name he was born with. He was Avram, Abram, but not Abraham. And so he's sitting there and, and how did he get the name Abraham? God gave him that name. God gave him that name. So when he says Abraham, it's kind of a tender moment because then he just would think to himself, God just called me Abraham. That's the name that God himself gave to me. I was born Abram, Abram, but now in his tender love and his tender mercy, he just called me by that precious name that he gave to me. And so this whole chapter is really a matter of everything being tender. It starts right off there. So then Abraham hears this, what is God saying to me? And in verse two, he says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I shall tell thee of. Actually, in Hebrew, the order is a little bit different, but essentially the same. But this hits Abraham like a lightning bolt. He's just not prepared for this at all. And the way it comes in verse two, the way it's it's being spoken here in the Hebrew, it's like a big finger that God is pointing when it says et bincha. Et is the like uh, the direct object, so but it, in this case we can say it means the word that. So in other words, when he says et bincha, that son of yours, bin son, ha yours, et bincha, et bincha, that son of yours, God's pointing out et yehidcha. Et Yahidka, et again is that. Yahid is only one, only one, S-O-L-E, only one. So again, it's God pointing and he says, et ka that only one of yours. And then he goes, and here's a little bit different, but this is the way it is in Hebrew. Asher Ahavta, Asher Ahavta, whom you love, whom you love. And then he finishes off that, et Yitzhak, that Isaac, that Isaac. So, God is being very specific. We're not talking about Ishmael here. We're talking about that son, that only son of yours between you and Sarah, and that one who you love, and that Isaac himself. And he uses the word son, et your that son of yours. And as a matter of fact, there is an emphasis in these 14, words, 14 verses of the word son. You have the word son in these 14 verses appearing 10 times. In verse two, thy son. Again, thine only son. In verse six, Isaac, his son. In verse seven, my son. In verse eight, my son. In verse nine, Isaac, his son. In verse 10, his son. In verse 11, thy son, thine only son. In verse 12, in the stead of his son. And what this is doing for us here is it's making, it's drawing us in to feel the pain in here, there's a, there's a pain in this passage. You know, last time we were together, we studied about Joseph was a fruitful vow That's a happy subject, right? This is a little disturbing, to say the least. This is a little disturbing. But there's a pain here, and the Lord wants us to feel this pain because the same pain that he spoke about when he said in Matthew 10, 37 about the pain of being worthy of him, the pain of being worthy of him. And he said in Matthew 10, 37, he that loveth father father, or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Here's Abraham. He has waited 90 years to have this only child, this only son that he has here. His name is Isaac. His name means laughter. He's the laughter of their home, Isaac is. And now we read in verse 2: This is the son that he loves. Now there, you know like so much of scripture, there's, there's so often not a syllable of feeling. But this is not true in this part here in verse two when it talks about his feeling, thy Isaac whom thou lovest. And so the test really here in this passage is this very simple question. Does Abraham love Isaac more than God or does Abraham love God more than Isaac? That's the question. And so he says to him in verse two, he says, I want you to get thee into the land of Moriah. Moriah, it's a long ways away. It's three days' journey. He told Abraham, go out over the hill behind where you are and nearby and just offer Isaac there. But he didn't. He told him to go to a place that was three days away from him. And that gave Abraham a very long three days to think to think about this because by asking Abraham to travel these 3 days to this place where Isaac was going to be sacrificed was preventing Abraham from just taking the position of okay this is really going to be painful so let me do it quick you know i'll close my eyes and be like this and you pull the tooth you know that that it can, and we're going to get this over with god says no 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 i want you to have 3 long days to think about this, so you are really good and sure that you wanna do this. These were days for Abraham when it was a time for him to become deliberate, for definite, and, and intentional in the offering up of Isaac. And when God told Abraham that he was to offer up Isaac, he said he's got to be a burnt offering. Now Abraham knew what that meant. It meant just, it just didn't mean to kill him and walk away. But there had to be an altar that was prepared. There had to be fire. There had to be the slaying of, 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 of Isaac as a sacrifice and then the complete burning up of him as a burnt offering. And God never told Abraham why. He never told him why he was to do this. I mean, he didn't tell Abraham that that, that 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 why he wanted him to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering. He just said, "Offer Isaac," and and so as this passage goes for, forward, neither Abraham nor Isaac they never knew why why God wanted this. So how could he do this? How could Abraham obey this command? That's the question. How could he do it? How could he reconcile in his mind that God had commanded him, just commanded him to, to kill his son? Because the, the only way that Abraham could do this is that he, he was trusting in two facts. He was trusting in two facts. The first fact was really just repeated to Abraham in the chapter before. In the chapter before, in chapter 21, verse 22, Genesis 21, 22, in Genesis 21:22, it says, "And God said unto Abraham, "Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad referring to Ishmael, and because of thy bondwoman referring to Hagar. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice," that was to put them both out. And then God said, "For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In Isaac. Your seed is gonna be called. The seed that you've been referring to there, the great multitude, like the stars, like the sand, is all gonna come from Isaac. So Abraham knows that Abraham's seed will not happen if Isaac is dead. Dead people don't have children. So he knows that. And the other fact that Abraham is relying on and trusting on is in Malachi 3.6. In Malachi 3.6, where it says, where God says, I am the Lord, I change not. I am the Lord I change not therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed so and that's also true of the Lord Jesus Christ where it says about him in Hebrews 13:8 Hebrews 13:8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever so Abraham knows God does not change his mind Abraham's thinking like this he's thinking I'm sure that God told me that through Isaac I'm gonna have a multitude of people. I heard him say that several times. I'm sure that God does not change his mind. I'm sure that God told me to kill Isaac as a burnt offering. So I'm sure, and I'm sure that God is also the author of life and that he has the power to bring back from the dead life. He has the power to bring the dead back to life. Therefore, God can bring Isaac back to, to life from the dead. And that's how he's able to reconcile this. And this is what he's actually thinking. And we know this because it says in Hebrews 11:17, 17, Hebrews 11:17, 17, where it's talking about what Abraham was thinking, Hebrews 11:17, 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure, okay, so Abraham is really dwelling on God's promise, he's walking along, he's thinking God said in Isaac shall thy seed be called, in Isaac shall thy seed be called, as he's on his way to offer Isaac. So the only conclusion that Abraham could reach is, Okay, he's gonna raise him from the dead. Okay, this, God can do it. That's what he's gonna do. And now we're told some very important details about Abraham. We see in verse three there, Abraham rose up early in the morning. He got up really early. That's a very important detail. There's a lot of really important details in this passage here, and this is one of them here because it sets the scene. Now, probably God told him this at night, the night before. So this is the next morning that Abraham, and the soonest that he could move, he's on the move, he's up. But the fact that Abraham got up early in the morning is important because it shows that with Abraham, he was not going to engage in five five words that all start with a D. First, Abraham was not going to doubt if he should should sacrifice his son. He wasn't going to doubt. Second, Abraham was not going to delay in obeying God in sacrificing his son. And then third, Abraham was not going to discuss this with anyone, which he didn't. So therefore, Abraham was not going to debate about sacrificing his son you think you should really do that? he wasn't going to get into that and Abraham was not going to be in a position where he had to defend to someone why he should sacrifice his son especially his wife might have something to say about that but because if Abraham had done that if Abraham had done that in any way then Abraham's heart might have become hardened to the whole idea of sacrificing his son and he wasn't going to go there So it came down to obeying God or not obeying God to sacrifice his son. And he didn't want, Abraham did not want to see his shadow. He did not want to turn his back on God and see his shadow. And what's amazing to see in all of this history here is how Abraham just opened himself completely to God and he was all alone. And he didn't talk to anybody, nobody at all. I mean, this is just like the Apostle Paul where where Paul says that in Galatians 1.15, Galatians 1.15, where Paul says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, which was outlandish, that this Jewish person should go and and preach to the Gentiles was just like unheard of. So he said that that he might preach among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia. And returned again unto Damascus. And then, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So, Paul knew that God had called him to do something that had never been done before go preach the gospel, the good news to the Gentiles. And Paul knew that this is not accepted. This was not accepted among the Jewish believers at that time. So Paul decides, I'm not gonna discuss this with anyone. I'm just gonna go, I'm not gonna confer with flesh and blood. So he just left Jerusalem, and he went into Arabia. Where for sure, there weren't any Jewish people, very few who those. But anyway, and then he was there in Damascus for three years, and during that time, Paul was alone with God. Three years, Paul was alone with God. And as soon as God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, as far as Abraham was concerned, Isaac was sacrificed. That's how he looked at it. And that was the how it's presented in Hebrews 11, 17, which we just saw. Hebrews eleven seventeen, 17, when it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Well, he didn't actually offer him up, but in his mind, he offered him up. He was done. He was sacrificed. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And now. Why is it saying that way, that he did it? Because it's the same is true of the Lord Jesus Christ, where it says in Revelation 13.8, Revelation 13.8, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, a uh, uh, life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, in the same way, it's saying that the Lord Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world, And the, but wait a minute the world wasn't even made and it was gonna be at least 4,000 years later before he was actually slain. No, but it's speaking of he was slain from the foundation of the world because the decision was made and that's the same with Abraham. The next detail we get is in verse three where after it says he rose up early, saddled his ass, he took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. Then something very, very interesting here. It says that Abraham himself clave the wood for the burnt offering. Well, that's what we're told there. He clave the wood. Now, you ask the question, well, why? Wasn't there wood on Mount Moriah? Why couldn't he go and find it? Just bring an ax. And then when you get there, go find the wood there and chop it up there. Why do you wanna haul the wood with you on this three-day journey? Because he wanted no time to delay while he was cleaving the wood on Mount Moriah. He wanted no time to doubt. He wanted no time to discuss, no time to debate, no time to defend, again, while he's cleaving the wood. And then we can imagine how those must have been the longest three days in his life. I mean, he's walking along silently. He's probably not doing much talking. And he's keeping all these thoughts to himself. He's fighting off these doubts all along the way. Am I really sure that God told me to kill my son? Am I really sure that God said, in Isaac shall thy seed be called? Am I really sure that God is gonna raise him from the dead? Am I really sure that, am I gonna kiss Isaac before, as a parting kiss? Will I kiss him for Sarah? I mean, what, and what am I gonna tell about all this blood that's gonna be all over me? All these thoughts, you know, how am I gonna keep my voice from cracking when I have to speak? And I mean, um, you can imagine what's going on inside of him as he's walking for these three days. And we can imagine Isaac watching Abraham and wondering what's his whole trip about? What, 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 and lots of questions in Isaac's mind. And we can imagine the servants also just silently following along. But after three days, we're told that Abraham lifts up his eyes, and he sees the place afar off. How did he know it was the place? We don't know. But he sees it afar off. And when Abraham saw the place, he says to the servants in verse five, Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to
1: you. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
0: What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.